Welcome to iFollow. Welcome, everybody, to episode 81, the Yeet Edition episode of I4O. Um, this is a very interesting week in technology. Uh, we have CES coming up this week. I think, I believe it's tomorrow. Um, uh, this is recorded well, Monday. Monday yeah. Night, so the public version is tomorrow. I think uh, the news started rolling out uh, last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this huge party that the press gets to attend um on sunday night and then the big keynotes started uh today and i open to the public i think tomorrow yeah, yeah right all of uh, the uh the fun stuff starts this week though yeah sure. all the news pretty much comes out by the time that the public shows up yeah oh yeah definitely yeah because that's yeah. pretty much has seen everything there is to see but um it's it's until i think the midweek when all the youtubers and those people start to actually get a get their hands on some of that technology and they're allowed to start making videos and stuff like that. So it's going to be later in the week when some of the more interesting stuff comes out for people to watch and to learn about. And I, I'm pretty sure that at the end of this week, we'll have a much more interesting recap, but it's definitely a good thing to speculate about. And towards the end of the week, that's when you get to see like all the, the crazy out of the world. So like, yeah, you get to see all all the Samsung, LG and whoever the big, big people Mm -hmm. uh, come out with, but like, you know, the small rinky dink kind of tech startup who's trying to make it and trying to come up with this crazy idea. Those are stuff that interest me. A lot of those do become vaporware as people like to call it. (laughs) We really Um, should go one year. I think I'm, I would love to go one year. Yeah. Um, Just because like CES has always been like this, like magical like almost like the world's fair type thing where everyone just brings the best technology they can come up with and just tries to make a cool thing happen so i don't know ces is always something that's been fantastic to me but to those of you who are listening um obviously i'm joined by Irvin, but i'm also joined by jeff as well hey Um, i have missed you dearly when doing yeah it's it's been a few weeks. I'm very glad to be back on air with you fine gentlemen. Yes, it's always good to have you. My number two man, everybody, I love <laughs> you all so much. Um, but uh, like like I was saying, this week is obviously CES. And um, it's there's been a lot of changes, not only in technology, but to us as well. So to anybody who is listening... Get ready for some potential big changes in the future. Um, I don't know if I can talk to exactly what just yet, just because we're still working those finer details out, if you will. Um, And also, for those of you who've been watching the live stream, we're actually getting this right now. (laughs) This is technically take two. um, But either way, um, I feel like that's still, um, you know, it is what it is. Such stuff happens, but... um, Tell me, man. Sometimes work, sometimes it's just vaporware. Yeah. Where? yeah. <laughs> like that, first, that episode is the first now vaporware. Yeah, yeah, the first episode of one is now. the ether. It's now being sent off into outer space. Some alien will catch the signal and then watch it and they'll be confused. They'll know. Yeah, they'll know. Those aliens will know. <laughs> but any of our <laughs> listeners on the podcast will know that yeah. we did it perfectly the first time for them. So, yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm like loving this setup, the nice like iPad over here, being able to do the audio, like the transitions all by itself, even though I still messed it up. Like I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this a lot. (laughs) I feel like I'm, I feel like our podcast has finally entered like 
the next stage of being able to manage and run a live show from at least my perspective. I don't know from you guys perspective, it probably doesn't sound any different, but um. (laughs) new year, new podcast, I guess. Yeah. New year, new podcast, but, uh, same sound question mark. I don't know. Um, but Jeff, I I was going to ask you kind of an impromptu question before we like really dive into the episode. Um, Uh, that's how to begin. Yeah. What was, and this is like kind of a, this isn't going to be as exciting, but what is your favorite piece of tech from 2018? If you had to, oh, man. whether it's like, it doesn't even have to really be from 2018, but something that just really made your year a lot easier. Um, and if you can't think of it now, we can always just go into the topics and you can always just interrupt us when you come up with it. But I just think that in order to kind of continue in the spirit of what we did for the last episode, I'd, I'd like to get your opinion on what made an impact on you in terms of technology. Um, let's let's rain check on that. Let's get into the episode okay. and maybe at the end. Let that one simmer for I'll a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but for <laughs> those of you who are watching the live stream, you can obviously see on the screen that we are talking about LG's groundbreaking roll up TV, which is actually unlike most of the stuff at CES, which is vaporware, going to go on sale this year. So <laughs> In uh, December of 2019. Watch it. Watch the release. <laughs> just <laughs> the in last... time for this year. <laughs> just in time. Yes. Uh, so they finally made it happen. The LG's been showing off like different prototypes of it um, for a couple of years now. Um, but now it's a real product you it's can very buy. Expensive. Well, we don't know yet, but we're, people are guessing that's going to be expensive. Nothing has been officially announced. Um, but um, this sort of brings in sort of new idea of um, uh, ways of looking at TV. One of the things that I'm excited about this is, um, let's say when you're watching a, a movie, you, know, you see all these black bars up at the top and the bottom. Mm-hmm. Good. You know, you can bring the screen down and you could have no black bars, just all screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you just roll it down as far as you need to. And then you don't have any black bars. Because the the screen is only as tall as you need to be, uh, which is a neat idea, um, and it's it's built into this giant base that the entire TV rolls up into. Um, I like that. That's uh, I'm curious about dur- durability, like how many times? How many times have they tested? Can test it? Can it go up and down? Yeah, I'm sure they've tested it quite a bit. Um, that's probably one of the things where they're like, can't mess this up. Yeah. Um, they also have a 100 watt Dolby Atmos speaker built in for audio. Yeah, too, that'll be nice. Which should be noted. Yeah. Um, so you're not just getting a roll up TV, which is cool enough as it is, but it's kind of like an entertainment system all in one. And I should think, be noted. I think this is like to, to add to that a little bit the fact that they're adding this as their flagship 4K TV, I think makes that almost even more substantial in that they're flagship like this is the lg tv that they want you to buy is a roll-up 4k screen i think that's cool i think the price point's a big point here for lack of better words it is because if this thing isn't priced right nobody's gonna buy it yeah because that's that's the biggest thing if there's if they're selling a tv for what eight thousand dollars nobody's gonna buy it Exactly, Unless but if you can put it down, very, very like you, I would yeah. say nobody. You can, 
Yeah. If you can make it, well, yeah, not nobody, because there's going to be someone who's going to want a better TV than everyone they know. But mm. if you can make it like a, a tier up in price from a nice big 4K display, I mm. think that that will sell pretty well. Yeah. No, I, I think so. And um, they're like, I just, the, the fact that it's being able to like drop into the base, like that's really cool and all, but like, I don't know. Like, do, do you guys think this is too much innovation in for in innovation, sake? just innovation for innovation's sake? Like, what? Yeah, I, I thought about that too. What's the use case? Yeah. Like, why would you want it to roll up? Like, it seems like there's too many points of failure now if they if they're gonna go ahead and do this. But at the same time, like, it's really cool. But at the same, like, to be able to like walk into a room and there's no TV in there, and you're like, hold on a second, and then you hit a button yeah. and your TV rolls out of this box on the entertainment stand. Like, it's cool, but yeah, what if it doesn't work? I think, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> I think it appeals to like the the minimalist kind of design standpoint, where you want your room to look as clean and empty, like only what you need when you need it. Mm-hmm. I think that sort of design appeal comes from this, where you you can have a living room and there's not a big screen in there when you're not using it. Yeah. Um, as, as, aside from that, I don't see a real necessity for this whatsoever um other than push the boundary um for sure well i mean ever since like oled came out they've been talking about the they're flexible technically you can make them flexible so you can make it flexible yeah flexible whatever their first like big step every every new technology is going to be really expensive Mm -hmm. so and then they're going to bring this down to their smaller devices like maybe an lg phone that folds or whatever they use the same that they did for to come up with this tv to get that done so i get it if there's yeah, if if there's a way for my smartphone to roll up into like a little roll of paper in my pocket, I would definitely love that. I think this is oh, kind of what you're talking about. It's the underlying I, technology behind even, it. Why? No, even that. Like I, I'm I'm so like bullish on the on foldable phones, roll up anything. Like there's zero use cases that are practical to me. Uh, to and I, 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 I would love to be proved wrong urban you're obviously not the tech the targeted like demographic of ces all right yeah i mean in a sense i agree in a sense i agree urban i don't think it's a necessity by any standpoint but i do think that it would be like it would be useful like if you're someone who carries a lot of stuff in your pockets when you're working or something like that like if you're worried about your screen getting cracked all the time and it can fold up into a protective coating where that's not as, as likely to happen. Yeah. So I do agree I with Jeff, I think in this, where the notion of nice. the TV that rolls up and folds away and it like, cause we're, we're in this world where Google and Apple, the two arguably some of the larger manufacturers, I don't know if Samsung has made a deep push into this or not. I, I can't speak to that exactly, but uh, Google and Apple have both made pushes to give you daily. Uh, Samsung runs on Google, so I guess that counts still. But um, they've both made pushes to give you a recount of your daily use of your smartphone. And there's this big push to get people to stop using technology as much and to try to hide the screens as much as they can and to kind of kill that desire possibly when you get it. And I think that having a TV that folds away and rolls into a drawer and hides itself 
permanent like up to permanently i would assume if you don't want it to come out if you have a party it prevents people from damaging the tv um but if you don't want to watch tv if you want to make the point of this room something that is less than entertainment in that way like you only bring this out for sports games because it's a room that has the most amount of seats in the house i really agree with jeff there in that this really does have a use case in those houses for people who are looking to make the living room more of a family styled room and less of an entertainment and distraction room because that's what the, I would argue the living room has become more and more of in the modern age. So have you guys seen have you have you seen any specs on this in terms of what the the thickness of the screen is? Uh, Just out of curiosity. Uh, I have not. So I'm panning know. through the article right now. Sorry to anybody who's watching. Uh, but well I can carry on conversation with my point in the meantime. Um, I just, I think that with a typical home computer user, um, a lot of your desktop is taken up by your screens and their bases. Mm -hmm. Um, If this were to come to a point where they could become lighter and retractable and maybe on stands that don't take as much desk space, that this could be really innovative in kind of reopening that, area you have to work with at yeah. home and in the office. Um, there's there's a lot of different ways this could factor. And again, this is about the technology behind it, not necessarily a retractable rolling TV screen, which is what we're discussing. Yeah. Um, I think this is probably just their first push to market with such a technology. Um, but I do think there's a lot of use to the rollable screen especially mm-hmm. um with 4k resolution so i know uh, that the Sorry? go ahead Irvin. i said or, or 8k yeah yes. yeah well soon enough so um just as a frame of reference because we don't know the price um and i i believe in the first take of this Irvin was alluding to this but their wallpaper oled television that they released last year started at eight thousand dollars so I would go ahead and wager that this is probably going to be the same price, if not more expensive, um, no. because not only is that technology thin, but it can roll. And from the I've had a few gifs up when we were watching the or when we were talking about this. And it looks very thin, aside from the mechanical pieces around it that control the like that keep it straight and just like that basic the stuff. structural pieces yeah the, yeah the supporting pieces it looks very thin like thinner than most tvs that are out right now um so it, it is a pretty crazy piece of technology and i i really like the options that they offer um anybody who's watching the stream right now will see and, and you guys probably in a few seconds just because you guys are a bit delayed but um they have like a music mode where the tv drops down to like a quarter of the size of what it is and it only displays music information such as like just how long it is into the track and what the title is. And it, it drops down to this like really low profile piece of technology. And like the, honestly, the more that I go through this article, the more use cases that I can find, which contrasts what we thought at the beginning of this topic and what the chat is, the, the consensus is in the chat. Um, but like, I think honestly that this, does have a place when i consider the fact that there is this push to step away from screens and kind of bring the living room back to what it used to be which was a place for the family to gather and 
and be together and talk and not necessarily a place where people just sit in a room and watch this giant screen. I like that notion, but I don't know how likely it is, honestly, just with how we've been programmed. Yeah, um, I'm hopeful so just because this is LG's flagship TV. I think the biggest thing about it is this rollable technology and that's the structural elements. If it can be like a top down roll down, like something that's there when you need it and then retracted in the cabinet space or what have you, when you don't like in this case, retracted down into some yeah. furniture when you don't need it. That's I think that starts like, though. Your, your, your Google devices on your, they're sitting on your kitchen counter. Like it's not going to sit on your kitchen counter anymore. It'll come down from your cabinet and that's more cabinet or counter space for you. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I'm just thinking it's a less obtrusive way for this technology to exist in your home. Yeah. I, I agree. think that's the biggest takeaway. Yeah. But cause this could, if you're say like having a Christmas party and you don't necessarily need the TV, you could throw it in music mode and just have your Christmas decorations up and have the TV just retract yeah. and just play music or something. Yeah. Um, and it even yep. has a fireplace mode as well, where it can go into a, um, it can do like a crackling fireplace or rain sounds. Um, and it, the article that the verge doesn't see how many uh, use cases or how much use that'll get in the real world. But every time we have like a holiday party, I always throw on like a fireplace thing on the tv yeah just to get people away from the tv and into a conversation just because there's nothing exciting happening on the tv but a fire so i think that would get more use than they think honestly if i had to go ahead and wager my own opinion in that regard but i don't know like i'm i'm cautiously excited because of what it could be not what it is like sure it's a play thing for the yeah. rich right now but give it two or three years when this technology becomes cheaper especially since I keep going back to this, but LG is saying this is their flagship TV. That means they're committed to this technology. And if yeah. they're committed to making this their flagship tech, that invariably means that tech becomes cheaper. So I don't know. Yeah, that's I think that's a big, a big part of it too. Like you're mentioning the price of the wallpaper option that had come out last year. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of R&D payoff. Like you have to finance this somehow yeah. and a high price point would do that if people are actually going to go out and buy these things in the masses then they can sell them at a lower price point and still make profit and pay off their debts so yeah because obviously with technology there's that certain crowd of people in the elite market that will buy this obviously 100 percent. yeah, yeah. Um, but the fact that they are offering this in a market that is available for anybody who wants to buy this they can like that that's that, that's it's, it's exciting to me in a way so. i mean if you if you think about it like on a mass scale if they were to produce large enough products this could take over the projector industry and movie theaters too at some point yeah like, can you imagine like going to a theater and like there's this like nice like plant background and then when the movie starts like the lights dim and the whole screen rolls out of the ground that would be so cool in solid 4k like yeah. really high definition yeah that's i think and plausible. looking and I, the the gif that i currently have up or the gif to change the way that i've been saying it just to keep it consistent with my inconsistency <laughs> on the episode um oh boy it's a really cool looking tv stand i don't know like the fact that it doesn't go all the way to the ground 
they've been able to get this tech in a box that leaves room underneath of the television for box sets like an Xbox or like a DVD set or. Well, that's that's part of the price point too, right? Is yeah. that it's furniture is not just a screen. It, it gives you sound, it gives you display, and it also is furniture. Yeah, and it but... comes with full Dolby. Can you imagine like going to somebody's like Dolby Atmos home theater? Like, because this is definitely targeted at home theater nerds. Go to a go to like yeah. a home theater nerd setup and like they're like get ready for this. And their TV just like rolls out of the display. <laughs> like, where's your TV? Is it a projector? Yeah. And they're like, Nah, I got this. Just rolls out. Yeah, that would be so dope. And also, it's a huge TV. It's what sixty five inches. So uh, I didn't see the size honestly. I think it was sixty five. More, but uh, yeah, sixty five. I think was smart. Um, but yeah, well, we should, we'll yeah. We, we could we could talk about this and, and what it means yeah. in the industry for yeah, hours, but, but we should move let's on. Wrap have, up the rollable TV. Yes, yeah. Let's, let's wrap. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> let's, a lot of yeah, <laughs> a lot of devices that we see coming out and see yeah, a lot of uh, smart home devices, uh, light bulbs and everything, or or uh, Alexa integrations, all kind of stuff. Um, and Google took the chance to announce some uh, numbers. Uh, related to their assistant um, and uh, they announced that they're soon uh, to be on over a billion devices or um, and that's just ridiculous it is it is no it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> like the, the fact that has it's it's 900 million more than Amazon just recently released for Alexa yeah um the only thing, so, if you want to go into the details, that number kind of becomes less surprising. But yes, yes. But go ahead, was, I'll, I'll let you talk. Okay. No, I was just about to say that nine hundred million is is seems like a lot, but like it comes default on pretty much every newer newer ish phone. I forget what the lowest version of Android that you need to run the Google Assistant. I think it's uh, lollipop. If think, yeah, if you think about like how many Android devices are out there. Um, it just comes to fall on those phones, even though Samsung ones, which have a big speed button, but you can still get the uh, Google Assistant on there. Um, it, it, the number is not as surprising because for the Alexa devices, um, you have to buy, uh, you know, a separate device. We all know um, how the Fire Phones did. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Google does give them a leg up. I think the more important number is the uh, active users. Um, yeah. mm. um, and they're, they ha- it didn't say an exact, um, um, an exact figure for their active users, but they did say that their global active users have grown four times year over year, um, yeah. which is great. Yeah, so it's, like, it's actually, well, it, like it could be on your phone or whatever device, um, or mainly phones, but you don't, that doesn't mean necessarily that you, uh, um, use it. Yeah, not many people are buying smart you, home tech, and it's not available in many countries. But go ahead, Jeff. If you just if you kind of proportion this versus world population too, it's like for every device that's going to have Google Assistant on it, there's seven point seven people in the world. Yeah, that's a pretty ridiculous ratio if you think about how this smart AI technology is just like exploding into mm-hmm. our lives it also gives you like a real sense of scale and how much farther ahead google is in terms of its scale than apple 
and the next best competitor because like obviously you could lump samsung in as a competitor you could lump huawei in but all of them are running android Mm-hmm. And all of those phones are capable of installing the Google Assistant, if not already have it installed by default. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, yeah, that's, like, Android has such a massive footprint on the market. And like you are saying, like, one out of seven people total have it, can have, or there's, there's a good chance they have a device Just, that has the Google yeah. Assistant on it. Just, just proportionately, like I'm sure that 7.7 billion people in the world, not everyone has a smart device, as mm-hmm. should be obvious. But there are just there's one smart Google Assistant-enabled device for every 7.7 people in the world. Yep. And if you take that into account, that's ridiculous. It is. I, I know that so, obviously people own more than one device that have this assistant enabled to a vast degree at some points, but just, just that there are that many computers out there that are capable of performing these kind of tasks that Google, Google assistant enables is mind blowing compared to what we had 10 years ago. Yeah. And the one thing that Asian markets are really starting to adapt is like the smart home technology and, um, there's one thing that Asian markets have over any Western market, and that is an Android phone presence. And people <laughs> building technology to make their phones cap- like compatible in as many ways as possible with this, like, like this like slowly rising smart home technology like boom that we're seeing. Um, I think that's gonna give Google a lock in the number one spot for this, and. I think this is something that Amazon should have been worried about from the beginning. The fact that Google's footprint in its ability to collect data and improve its AI is like on a scale that is almost hard to imagine. Like you're saying one in every 7.7 people like it's that, that number is like, it's weird to think about like you're in a room with 21 people, three of them have an assistant device. There's a guarantee that at least that many people do. And that's from people from anywhere in the world. Yeah. You take any three people anywhere and there is a statistical guarantee that at least three of them will have like it's it's unless you're like <laughs> specifically hunting for people who have iPhones. Like it, it's if if you take twenty one people. Yeah, there's a good chance. From anywhere, not three. Right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. 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 If you right. take, yeah. Now you're <laughs> <laughs> that's fine it's, just it's a little bit late it's, clear on there yeah it's, yeah it's a little bit late in the eastern seaboard so a little bit slow today <laughs> but you know it is what it is but it's it's, it's still my three or seven people it's still mind-blowing that it's still under 10 <laughs> regardless yeah. um yeah. i don't even know like lots more to get through here yeah. <laughs> yeah. lots more to get through you want just push in the next one sure no. we'll, we'll just move right on yeah the HTC Vive Cosmos VR headset has been announced. So go ahead. Take has it anybody away, done guys. any more research into this than I have? Otherwise, it's, we'll go through this. While you guys were talking assistant stuff or, or smart stuff. Evan, <laughs> your so, knowledge to us. It was very, very brief. At, at HTC did a whole presentation at CES, but um, this was sort of uh, left as a teaser um for hd or from hcc and next uh, generation of their uh, vive headset it's geared towards making it easy um to be used uh by pretty much anyone 
meaning that it doesn't require any external sensors, which a lot of the newer or the latest generations of the VR headsets uh, need. Um, and it uses uh, the motion controller, so it can still be tracked, but it doesn't need any external sensors. Pretty much all the sensors are uh, built into the headset, and that what deter- that's what determines how the headset knows where it is in space, uh, quote-unquote space. Um, so uh, it's me- made for easy setup, too, uh, and comfort. Um, so comfortable is a lot of the early complaints about these uh, VR headsets. It's like, you know, they're really front-heavy, so, like, you get this mark of shame when you take off <laughs> your VR headset that, you, <laughs> that you've been in VR. Um, so... Um, yeah, uh, that, and also it's um, they teased that they have this tagline um, that they showed. Uh, to, 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 where did it say? I, I want to look at what the exact headline is, but um, they suggested that a, it doesn't, it won't require uh, a dedicated gaming PC. Yeah, it's uh, saying it, that it allows you to enjoy VR at home or on the go. Yeah, the capability and, be powered by more than a traditional gaming PC. That's their think, nebulous description that they put into the thing. So, and they should have phone to it. So, like you connect your phone up to whatever. Right. The big the big question is how well this is going to work with smartphones in the near future. Um, there's also um, a lot that's changing in regards to how the headset and the VR environment communicates with your machine. Um, so as opposed to having kind of like these pillars, which had happened in the past with vibes where you'd need to set up kind of your room to get mapped out and what have you. Weren't they called um, the chaperones, from, I think? I think that's right, but yeah. That was like the unofficial um, name for them. So it seems like they're migrating towards um, where the headset itself will be kind of the the general of that sort of uh, information. Mm-hmm. So it'll be based off of where you move around the headset as opposed to a previously mapped environment in which you're, I think they're called knuckles um, are moving in. Mm-hmm. Now it's looking like you have some kind of controllers in your hands and a headset on, which may or may not be wired to your computer to begin with. Um, but I think the, the definite plan here is to have it where it wireless, wirelessly communicates with your computer or eventually smartphone to your headset, which then keeps track of where your two um, controllers are in your hands. Yeah. So it's getting more and more towards what you would imagine VR to be. The one big thing that excites me about this is that they're including things like the ability to have a flip-up screen that allows you to see real world without taking off the headset. Um, they're focusing on comfort. <laughs> they're giving you these, like the knuckle controllers that are a little more ergonomic and they're, um, they're, it, and it's a more like portable and independent thing versus what the vibe used to be. Like, this is something that a lot of people were worried about with the 90s, where this technology sparked up and got really innovative really fast and then just died off. Whereas now we're seeing second and third generations of this hardware. So it's evident to me that at least the Vive and technology like this is here to stay. Um, maybe some of the things like Daydream is more of a gimmick. Um, somebody might think that that technology is not fully fleshed out just yet. Like whether they, like, I, 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 don't, I can't say that because I don't own one really, but that's kind of the vibe that I've been getting from that. But <laughs> the, vibe, the, the vibe you're getting about Vive. Um, <laughs> yes. 
I think it, 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 it's just entirely based on what you want to use it for, I think, yeah. because like I, I do on a daydream view and I use it with my pixel phone. Mm -hmm. And when I want to watch media like Netflix, like it's amazing. It's a little obnoxious to have your smartphone mounted in front of your eyes mm -hmm. in a way. Um, if that were to be done wirelessly, that'd be a lot cooler, but with things like the Vive where you can play in-depth gaming online with friends, like that's an entirely different capability than you get from a daydream view, which in that regard, I would call a gimmick like you did. Yeah. I mean, like the, the fact that this technology is progressing alone makes me excited. Like regardless yeah. of, of all the gimmick or of whatever technology didn't work out, did work out, I would argue that's more the companies and uh, the industry itself kind of toying with the idea of virtual reality and seeing what form factor fits this technology best. And it looks like that in the case of the Vive Cosmos and the HTV, HTC Vive Pro, which is going to offer a higher resolution display and updated eye tracking um it's like that kind of stuff i think is where vr is gonna settle in and i think we were kind of right when we alluded to the fact that virtual reality at least would be more reserved for the entertainment industry and less towards practical applications where we're seeing ar being utilized um yeah so i definitely agree with that so yeah this technology is exciting. Like any way you look at it, virtual reality, AR, any of this stuff is exciting because it takes a large number of technologies and propels them forward in many different ways. So, I think that the like gaming in general is moving in this direction. And yeah. a lot of I I have heard a lot of people asking like, where is VR going? Like, is it just a temporary like ex excitement kind of thing where people are like oh this is cool but mm -hmm. this isn't really what i want i think if you can get multiplayer games where like like if for example if you're playing on a wii or a switch and you're playing games that are multiplayer and that's why you're playing them like smash bros or something like that yeah. and in some way you can view who you're playing with as well as what you're playing without maybe seeing them in game or something like that where it's still interactive outside of the game i think that's where a big future in vr and gaming yeah lies yep um it looks like this product kind of fills in like a spot like, like almost like a space between what the vive was and what the daydream vr was so yeah like yeah it, it kind of it's like the happy medium between high end resolution graphics and like top tier, like you get the best of the best when it comes to virtual reality gaming. And at the same time, portability and convenience and ease of use that people have experienced with devices such as the gear VR and the daydream VR and um, yeah. any of those other like one-off technologies. Like I think this is going to be one of the first technologies that connects those two industries, if you will. And I think that is yeah. where VR is going to be the that's, most successful. That's where I've always seen the vibe going. Yeah. It, it needs to be wireless and self-sufficient in yeah. terms of communicating with the headset. Yeah. And I think from that point on, it's almost like a no-brainer to get one if you're a gamer because uh, I don't know if you guys have played anything in VR, but it's awesome. Yep. I have like, a PlayStation VR that I still have to set back up in the new apartment, yeah. but I it was fun when I was playing with the when i used it in the old apartment and i had a blast with it so for sure
it's definitely, definitely something worth I definitely thought this yeah for sure yeah um but I'm, o- I'm over the VR and... I've been quiet but I'm more on the AR side <laughs> yeah no um, you've always because... been well me too yeah. me too to be clear okay yeah AR I think we... AR is I think more there useful. was a yeah, there was a general consensus, I think, in the podcast, even in previous episodes, that AR was where both the money and where, like, the, like, whenever you think of, like, the future, like, that's where you put that technology. Mm, yeah. But virtual reality, I think there is definitely going to be a space for that when it comes to entertainment. So, that's my opinion of that. Because, like, going to a sports game, you sit in your house, you put on a headset, you're a front row of the NBA. Or, like, go to, like, a doctor, talk to your therapist in VR, like, something like that, where you don't, where you need to be taken somewhere else. That is where VR will do well. But AR, I think, is where we're going to see the coolest, quote-unquote, technology happen. The stuff that impacts your day like, in more ways than just entertainment. Yeah. Everyday, yeah. everyday applicability. Um, um, I think we have some more stuff to talk about, though. CES is not quite done yet. What else is more practical? Every single day is owning a motorcycle. You know, whenever I think of practical, exactly what I intend on doing with my day of the week, I think of Harley Davidson, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would have never guessed that Harley Davidson would go this quickly to all electric, but they are. Um, August twenty nineteen. And it's going to cost a whopping $29,799. Yeah, so there's been a company out there called Zero. Um, they've been called a Tesla of, of uh, motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've been pretty much owning the market of electric motorcycles for a while now. Mm-hmm. And they start, they have a model starting around 11000 And they have another one around uh, $16,500. Uh, um, but this comes way over that price range. Um, so I'm curious how those compare. Um, Harley has stated it's the zero to 60 time is under three and a half seconds. And um, city miles is around 110. No mention of any highway miles. You going to buy one? Um, no. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No. These are, these are cool. Um, I'm not a motorcycle guy. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, but yeah, these things are are pretty sweet. At least just from like the images that I'm seeing and like what they're talking about in the article. Yeah. Um, so it's gonna have like the same and kind of have... connectivity that a Tesla is gonna have too, which is pretty cool. Um, using their telematic system do... called. Uh, go ahead, Jeff. I'm curious here. I, I just wanted that I have sad news for um like your typical listener and especially those people who make South Park, um that they're saying it's designed to produce a new signature harley davidson sound accelerates so you're not gonna escape that it's gonna it has fake sound why are companies doing this with electric vehicles uh, i mean uh, i know for a fact that gas vehicles do this yes they do like the mustang for example so like they they're catering to like harley davidson and these companies that do this cater to that type of an audience which is more of the gearhead and people who are interested in listening to the cars roar if you will and like they want to know like they want to be excited about the sound of the car and like they want to feel the engine and stuff like that so honestly i could see like this is almost like 
I would have been shocked if the Harley Davidson motorcycle was silent. So it's not silent though. Like if you no. ever heard well, the yeah, hear the, the whine of that yeah. electric engine, okay. it That's sounds awesome compared to the roar oh. of a motorcycle uh. engine. So like I'm coming from people who have like I- I've been to a lot of car shows and like like my family was like very invested in like checking out like cars and like looking at the prototypes and stuff and like I'm gonna tell you right now, Irvin. There's not like that. This is probably one more area that we differ in, and there's not many areas that we differ in. No, there Um, aren't many. But like the sound of like a really high end turbo and a really powerful engine coming from like an old fashioned muscle car or like a hot rod or a motorcycle in this example, like those are very satisfying sounds to me. And like, it's all the way down to like, I love the smell of gas when you go to these car shows and stuff like that. Like just like being in that environment, I think is cool. Um, that being said, I, I will almost definitely own an electric car next. I'm very into that kind of a technology. So it's like something that like, I don't think I would ever own one, but I can definitely appreciate that industry. So um, I can totally see why they would do this, especially no. coming from Harley Davidson. Well, yeah, right. So they want to, you know, capture the same market that they do with their regular motorcycles. Yeah, yeah. You can't um, make this a very smooth transition from no, your typical right. Harley Davidson customer if you don't give it some kind of an audio that it generates that sounds like a motorcycle. And yeah. I, I think that's fine. And and also like technically that kind of almost makes electric motorcycles more comfortable in that crowd because when you when you think about it motorcycle or motorcyclists are an entirely different demographic than automotive enthusiasts and people like you can take a tesla to a car show and people will be like dude that's so cool but like you take a harley to a bar and you're with a bunch of people that have a motorcycle and everybody's like revving their motors outside and you have this little electric whine that's happening you're gonna get laughed at <laughs> so it's they they got there has to be a semi smooth transition that happens yeah. between oh, I get it. silent and sound. So. I just I just hope it doesn't sound like crap because all the other electric yeah. sound the electric cars who put in noise generation it's all didn't sound good. Yeah, uh, it sounds me. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So another contender in the electric motorcycle. We know for a fact that. Uh, uh, Tesla will not be competing in this market, so it's an open, open, wide market. They, def- they Elon has stated that they're not uh, ever going to release an electric motorcycle, um, and it's for personal reasons, uh, uh, according to Elon. He almost <laughs> died on he almost died on one, so he's like, yeah, I'm not gonna yeah. release one. Um, I do like the <laughs> HD Connect feature. Just to just to close on this, I do like. Yeah. We I, we didn't mention this yet. I was I was gonna mention it earlier, but. Um, there's an HD connect, uh, telematic service, which feeds data about the bike's operations, including battery charging, service reminders, tampering, etc. Like, we don't know if this is going to be another John Deere type scenario, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, it's but, in a whole another conversation that doesn't, uh, yeah. you know, uh, it exclude could take several more. Hours. I, I, yeah. It doesn't exclude, uh, companies like Tesla either. So, no. um, being everything connected, it does have its benefits, but it's also has a downside. So, yeah. It's uh, we'll nice to know that, that you'll be out. able to have service reminders and be connected, like as connected yeah. with a Harley yeah. Davidson motorcycle as you are a Tesla. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, either way, it might yeah. be a nice happy medium for Tesla mm-hmm. owners who miss the sound of their car's engine. No. Yeah. 
Um, so, um, somewhat back to TV related announcements. This was a kind of a big one, I think. So, surprise to me. I don't know if it was yeah. expected. Um, but, um, there's been a lot of rumors of like Apple needs to make it an actual TV, like a physical TV, not that just the Apple TV box that they currently have. Um, and, um, this sort of came as a surprise. Um, now a whole bunch of manufacturers of TVs now announced uh, AirPlay built into uh, their TVs and not just their newer ones that they're releasing during CES, but uh, a lot of them are bringing it out as via software update to older models as well, uh, which is exciting. Uh, so you can just cast stuff because a lot of the TVs have already have the Chromecast type of feature built into them. And now Apple is letting uh, these manufacturers build in the to cater to the uh, Apple users out there so they can quickly just cast or, or airplay content to their TVs without having that physical connection. Mm -hmm. And um, right now the partnership was announced with uh, Samsung, LG, and Vizio um, uh, currently. And they're also HomeKit enabled. They're going to be HomeKit enabled. That's so you nice. can control your TV with Siri. So you can say to Siri, um, turn on the TV and it'll turn it on or tune to this channel or no, watch this. So watch a particular uh, thing on the TV. Mm -hmm. uh, that particular uh, feature where you dictate what you want to watch is limited uh, to Samsung because uh, they have an exclusivity on their Apple's TV app. Uh, which sort of, sort of curates all these services like you can connect to it you can say okay what um, cable provider you have or what um, uh, uh, streaming services you subscribe to and that tv app will curate all the uh, content and you can just search within that one app and it'll take you to the right location mm -hmm. um, that that feature is built into samsung tvs or will be so you can just say hey play Game of Thrones and it'll launch the HBO Go and it'll, it knows yeah. that you're subscribed to HBO or you're already paying for HBO subscription separately and it'll just automatically start playing so the latest episode or can whatever. I, can I drop a, a bit of a bit of a tinfoil hatty style conspiracy yeah. theory in this a little bit? Mm -hmm. um, this kind of comes off of the heels of a bit of news that we haven't covered yet, um, which I think still deserves a bit of the the limelight in the I4O news rotation. Um, Apple's not doing too hot right now. No. If anybody, if anybody's looking at the stock market at all, no. Yeah. Apple's well, not doing too hot. Their numbers. They're still. They they're still a, worth. They're still worth almost eight hundred billion dollars. So they're fine. Oh, eight hundred billion dollars. We reported what two months ago, three months ago, that they were a trillion dollar company. Yeah. So that's a substantial. At, at, drop. at that scale. Yeah. It's. It's at that scale. It's, it, I mean, by that point, like any, <laughs> yes, I understand what you're 20 saying. 20% drop. That is I, big in the stock market. So, uh, Tesla dropped 30% in the last two months. Okay. That's Tesla. Tesla dropped I mean, the, a lot. A lot of tech stocks dropped around 20% in the last couple months. Yeah. Overall. Well, that's, that's because I think it, Apple's connected yeah. to more technologies than people. I don't think it's all Apple more. related. I think a lot of it is driven by Apple, but re, I, I think you're right. So, but okay, so my tinfoil hat's on tight right now. Okay. So, so hear yeah. Me out. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm listening. Hear me out. So I think okay. that when a company like this, at that scale, they've been comfortable with the past several years of innovation. They've been very comfortable. They release a new phone every year. It does really well. They slowly notch up the price because they realize that people aren't upgrading as frequently. 
the Chinese market's not doing too well. You get some tariffs, whatever like BS that they want to put out is the reason why their stocks aren't doing as hot as they are. So Apple eventually comes out and says, you know what? Hey, get ready because our numbers aren't quite going to be as good as they used to be. So just brace for the fact that we may need to readjust because this is the first time Apple has ever done this since what, the early 2000s? Like 2002-ish? When they were like, hey, not only are we like going to readjust our numbers this year, but we're going to readjust them lower than the lowest margin that we set last year. So they're mm-hmm. not doing that great at all. So like even Apple is admitting publicly that they're not doing well. No. So, okay. So this is that this is that's the setup for this. I'm, yep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yep. take that and I'm gonna swing it. So mm-hmm. this this sets Apple up to the point where people are gonna want to start listening in these conference meetings and in these board meetings and stuff where these weirder ideas start to kind of trickle up to the front where Apple's like, you know what, that might get people interested in our tech. This might get people interested in what we have to offer. This this might bring back an interest in Apple technology. And one of these things obviously could be expanding airplay, mm. making airplay something similar to Chromecast, making airplay something a bit more open to developers and a bit more yeah. open to third party manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Because up until this point, Apple would have probably laughed this right out of the meeting. Right. It was like, just go buy an Apple TV. If yeah. you want airplay, that's the only <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. Go buy right? an Apple TV yeah. and hope you're, hopefully your HDMI cable is good enough. Something <laughs> like that. Right, because um, <laughs> it doesn't come in a box, yeah. so you have yeah. to get your own. So um, like, that's that's where I'm at with this, and I really yeah. think that over the next year, at least 2019, mm-hmm. we're going to yeah. see some weird innovations from Apple that moving way more towards being accepting to like weird ideas that we would have never thought possible before. I think this is the start of that. So conspiracy theory in full swing that this mm-hmm. is the first thing that Apple has begun to do in their long list of make apple cool again (laughs) yeah is this gonna help uh sell more phones because the phone market is their number one right that's the main bread and butter of apple i'm gonna go ahead and say no no i don't think so either no um but it does get their name in the conversation again yeah so it does help right because you know pretty much chromecast is everywhere like you said this helps it being more places uh, for in terms of airplay. So if you have an Apple device, right, Chromecast works on a lot of apps. But if it doesn't, like you're you're out of luck. Um, you can't. You have to get a cable, whatever, or have an Apple TV. Um, so I yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'll also think trying to think of like companies um, how how long it takes to negotiate this type of thing. This has been in uh, works a long time before Apple even, or it w- was this the the downfall of Apple was even in the horizon. I think so. Just to rebuttal your <laughs> conspiracy <laughs> that this is why they're doing it now, I don't think it's just convenient that the news uh, it launches around that right around that time where this huge thing happened, where they're downgrading their own stock. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I just wanted to like get that conversation going yeah, because yeah. I really felt like we kind of missed that ball and I really wanted to just open that up a little bit just to talk about it because we've been so caught up with the year end stuff and being busy. And I feel like the Apple conversation really got kind of pushed to the wayside a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I saw my opportunity and I went for it, honestly. <laughs> no. So, 
But yeah, <laughs> I, I do agree with you in that Apple is like, it's definitely probably like most likely it's not that in any stretch of the imagination. It's just Apple seeing an opportunity and doing it. But it like for for what half of a decade now, Apple has been like basically radio silent when it comes to CES. Like they've always kind of avoided it, but now they're really into it. Like it just seems very convenient, but mm. I don't know. I and just, it's not them doing anything with CES. It's just people. Did um, you see the ad they put up? Uh, yeah, the Apple did. Yeah, the ad that they yeah. put up right outside of CES, like within like I shot yes. of the, yes. the front door. <laughs> yeah. They um, Jeff, I don't know if you saw this or not, but they bought an they bought Again. a giant they bought the side of a building pretty much, and the side of a building says. Um, it was like what happens on your phone should stay on your phone. Yeah. Oh yeah. So they're, they're, yeah. So they're yeah. playing up their their privacy angle, right? Because yeah. they 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 wanna uh, they're touting that you know yeah. the most private phone on the data that you store on their leaves are private data. So that's that stays locally. That combined with this push to airplay on multiple TVs, like honestly, I think that's opens the floodgates to wild conspiracy theories of apple slowly trying to become hip and cool again and and just see where it works if you will but i think they're they're just hurting if we're going based off your comments earlier about their stock prices like uh, their their iphone sales are down like they they need to get notoriety and they Mm -hmm. need to get their products out there in yep. different forms than they have been because they're not performing well so. and unless you have spent 150 dollars plus on an apple tv you will not know what that ecosystem is like even if you have an iphone unless you had one of those devices but now it opens it up a little bit because samsung mm-hmm. and these other like big tv companies are going to yep. be including airplane which essentially mm-hmm. gives you an apple tv in your house if not just the ability yeah. to use it like a chromecast which is really right. nice it's so. like hey i'm watching something on my phone i want it now on my big screen tv and you just press a button and there it is yeah. nice and in and Irvin's case, if he's wa- trying to watch a football game and doesn't want to have <laughs> the the struggle of watching it in spanish on youtube tv then he can yeah. play it from his iphone <laughs> I was having some issues yesterday watching Chromecasting oh. something to my TV and it would just refuse to do it. Yeah. And it wasn't Chromecast's fault. It was the damn NBC app. Yeah. Um, <laughs> crap NBC oh, app. That also, they do can't I have to use my sensor right. noise again? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. I'm also, uh, it, it doesn't help that uh, YouTube TV was broadcasting the Eagles game last night in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Although, oh my god, oh, this is a, a tangent, but it's an amazing tangent. That's fine, keep going. Did you, I saw a clip. So at the, the last two or three minutes of the game, it finally switched to the English version of it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't watch the end of the game, which was the most exciting part of the game. That was the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Today I saw a clip of the Spanish version of that end of the game, and it's amazing. Oh my god. His, his <laughs> announcement... His announcement of that game in Spanish is just ridiculous. I wish it would have stayed in Spanish. Have you ever watched the World Cup in Spanish? Yes. yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's 10,000 times better. Yeah. No, they yelled. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, was on that, it was on that level, but for American football. 
that's amazing <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty awesome so it's i saw like, that clip today and it was like dang it it should have stayed in spanish <laughs> it's just like you fixed it at the worst time yeah i know right <laughs> all right that was a good tangent um oh man i need to watch a, a video of that if you have one please yeah. send it to yeah me. yeah I'll, I'll find it yeah um that sounds incredible <laughs> um so the theme on the cs 2019 seems to be tvs because we're talking about another tv announcement um because all the other stuff are tv <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do more them. more more of a different type of update uh next week's show i think because more and more information will be coming will coming out um but samsung has um put out their um new technology of tv called micro led um and it's i think one of the next steps in uh after oled so now we have led and then oled and this is a, the next step um in uh samsung's uh, sort of technology uh towards the next step of tv and it's different um uh, than only oleds it doesn't have um the downs none of the downsides of any of the other technologies um and it's not restricted to a particular form factor so it may it's made from these sub rgb sub pixels um and they're mm -hmm. organized into tiles and then you can pretty much just take a tile and then arrange it whatever shape that you want and then connecting those two will create a giant picture um and um it, it's like oled where it's, it's emitting its own light so you don't need a backlit or anything so you can make them super thin um called micro led yeah uh, micro led and it's come from uh, their microscopic led that they're individually they turn on and off um uh, and they're super small um so you can make like really dense um resolution screens um so you can do 4k 8k um of course and the quality is super um uh great the one um, thing I would from what I've seen. The one thing I would uh, there's a gif seen. in here within the Verge article, the second one. Um it's kind of crazy. You can just plop, plop in a, a tile and it just expands the TV expands to that and it puts starts putting content in there. Um Yeah. No, I see that now. Yeah. That's crazy. It's, uh, this technology is cool. It's yeah, weird. it definitely is, but it's nothing that's gonna definitely not to be released this year. They saw some things about it last year and last CES, um, and now they're showing even more. But it's nothing that's in for production just yet. But it, you... it shows the next step. So, do you know where I could see this going first? Uh, honestly, like if we're looking at where it might be used practically, I could see this being used in advertisement for like billboard panels and things like that places where companies spend millions of dollars in order to get their message out and i think that you might see one of these in times square maybe even on even if it's a small one you might see it out there yeah um so i don't know exactly how weatherproof these are or how waterproof these are or what kind of technology goes into that specifically but the fact that this technology is out there and it exists and it's feasible and you can get an extremely good resolution at scale. Everybody saw the wall last year at CES, that massive screen that Samsung created with these panels. Um, that 
is exciting, in my opinion. So, I don't mm. know. I'm I'm looking getting forward to some, that. I'm getting some kind of audio from one of you yeah. guys. I think Apologies, um, my but, bad. <laughs> or but, uh, listening to people screaming. Yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> it's screaming the excitement. Yeah, But um, it's it's. I'm reading just this article that we've been referencing, and That's it's actually saying Urban's that hype uh, crowd in the background. <laughs> no, I was actually They're looking up screaming. looking up the Spanish yeah. guy on the US. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that it was that it was that almost, it was that exciting, my so your point is proven yeah um, it's like the, All right. the, okay. these rgb subpixels though that come in the micro led technology um have a tight measure of space between them like mm -hmm. we've been mentioning um but that if one goes bad the whole display could go bad yeah but it's i like christmas I, lights when i first read it i read it as a con and i thought that's kind of bad because if you lose one part of your tv the whole thing doesn't work but if you think about if a part of your screen goes bad with the kind of tv you have now you pretty much have to get a new tv or just live with it yeah. and with this it seems like you could just replace a module and yep. then your screen will be fixed yep uh, so if this if this pricing comes to a point where it's affordable to do that that's this is definitely revolutionary in that regard where mm -hmm. you're not going to have to worry about as many things with your screen. Um, I That's thought nice. that was a cool point. To point. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, and apparently this thing can go all the way up to 219 inches, which is absolutely yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> Theoretically. If you want to drop six yeah. figures. Again, yeah. like this is the episode for home theater nerds to just right. drool yeah. over. And theoretically, the the size is unlimited because you can attach any whatever number of tiles that you want. Yeah, as much as as much as your wallet will allow. Yeah, this is just what their technology can handle at the moment that they've allowed to show at CES. They've probably got much bigger units and scale in their test labs somewhere. So, it's an exciting time to be looking to buy panels. I think this is a super promising tech, and. This is like it's not anywhere near the ready for the consumer yeah. level, and I think we're probably looking at like six figures if you wanted to get a two hundred and nineteen inch like modular yeah. television. Yeah. Um, but that being said, like this is still and and also like the cool thing is like you could have your technology like wrap up a wall, like if you don't have a straight mm -hmm. wall or something like that, you could have the the TV like you could have a TV at an angle or like do some like really weird stuff with like a like a wallpaper on mm -hmm. your, like you can make your wall a tv the whole wall <laughs> like yeah that, that's unheard of i i think it's cool i don't know mm -hmm. yeah. yeah but um we have some cool Exciting. tech to talk about that is ready for the consumer level that i do yeah want to get your opinion Ooh. on because this Ooh. stuff is crazy um and by crazy i mean it's more normal than what we just talked about so the <laughs> nvidia 2060 this thing is a beast in a budgets shell so yeah Irvin, i don't know if you want to lead into this or not but yeah. i'm like genuinely excited about this thing and it's like the first compelling thing to come out of the rtx genre of graphics cards that have come from nvidia so far yeah so nvidia held their uh, keynote at ces again and one of the announcements that there's been rumors uh that they're planning to release but they finally did 
uh, an RTS RTX uh, twenty six the sixty series, which is the, supposed to be the lower end sort of tier within NVIDIA graphics name enclosure. Um, um, but they've released the RTX twenty sixty. It starts at um, three hundred fifty dollars. Uh, but it has uh, you looking at uh, all the all the benchmarks and everything dropped today from all the official uh, outlets in there. So if you want to look it up, go to your favorite uh, tech blog, and they'll have uh, benchmarks and all the graphs, pretty graphs for you to look at. But overall, it's pretty much for three hundred fifty dollars, you can get the performance um, that it was from last year's um, GTX ten seventy Ti. Um, very similar performance for a hundred dollars less. Or it's in maybe, the same yeah. tier as the Titan RTX, essentially. Yeah. It's just the, it's a fifth tier card. Um, but it, it is, it has a TU one hundred six core, which is it's borrowing straight from a twenty seventy, which means it's definitely got the firepower in order to run RTX. Granted, it's at the minimum level of RTX. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, RTX doesn't really like it works differently than graphics calculation. That's no. not necessarily like the minimum requirements of meeting a 1080p FPS for gaming. That means that it can run ray tracing in real time at the given frames per second that this card is able to push, which is no. 1080p at 60 FPS minimum in ultra settings, no. which is like like my 1080 can do that. And that's the yeah. only card in the 10 series that can consistently push that in mm-hmm. every game besides a 1070 Ti, which is I think yeah. where this card is being targeted at. If I'm if you if I'm if I remember correctly yeah. from what we were talking about in the pre-show, mm-hmm. which is yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's it's pretty nuts what they have been able to achieve in terms of the cost versus, um, um, you know, breakdown of the price per. Uh, performance per cost that's what i'm trying to say right how much yep. performance they eke out for the amount of cost that they're uh, selling this thing for um and from certain i watched a couple of youtube videos right before the show um of the reviews and and uh, the overclocking capability uh was one of the things that i had that i saw was highly touted um they were really capable of, of overclocking just cranking the settings within msi afterburner and and, and the, the car not even breaking a sweat uh, like it wasn't <laughs> even breaking like 60 degrees at max like overclocking like uh crazy amounts um and um staying relatively cool um so i think if you're just looking at the 1440p at max no 4k gaming here and uh, this is the car to get uh, if you want to talk about 4k gaming either with rtx or without you might need to upgrade to the 1070 or the 2070 or the uh, 2080. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're not really worried about that, this is the card to get. Um, yeah. And there's no reason for you. Because I know that when these RTX uh, uh, cars were announced, they're crazy prices, right? Everybody's like, oh, I'll just get the older generation of the 10 series. Um, but I now think if you want the latest and greatest uh, technology with the ray tracing, also this has... Uh, compute cores with tensor cores so if you want to do some machine learning uh, stuff uh, you can do yeah. that you can do that through this card and it will, it will accelerate that sort of um, workload um, you want to pick this uh, thing up uh, yeah. It will, yeah so I'm curious as to what your guys' opinions are on this um, more specifically for what this means for the 
ray tracing gaming industry like do you think this is going to be the card that does this like that actually gets this industry going yeah i do it has to be in people's people have to start using it yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna make it mainstream by selling 800 plus dollar gaming cards yeah because no. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, no, no way yeah no, no I, I totally agree right. and i think that this card in particular is gonna be the card that gets nvidia like back into the conversation because mm, we all yeah. saw what happened when you had the earlier cards that came out this year with rtx and there's no rtx ready and there was nothing like almost there was nothing out there that was even remotely good enough to run rtx let alone a game that could handle it so i think that um the 2060 plus games coming out like uh what's it called battlefield 5 i think which has real-time rtx that happens in it right now which is like the it's only the old, one, right? Yeah, it is the yeah. only game right now that does have it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that is probably going to be like, this is going to be the benchmark in which all of these cards are going to be measured from because people were looking for something that was consumer ready. And yeah. I think a card coming in at this price range is more than consumer ready. Yeah, it just it just opens the door to a lot more people who are looking to PC game that yeah. haven't previously been able to, especially with oh, the yeah. new cutting edge cutting edge games coming out and what they require. Yep. Um, this is just kind of bridging the gap, in my opinion, between PCs and consoles. Like, yep. And I've like, been saying this for a long time, but yeah. I don't think there's any reason other than a game only coming out for console if you'd stay with consoles at this point. Yeah. Unless you're looking for exclusives, PC gaming is probably going to be the way. Yeah. That's what I mean. If there's content only coming out for consoles. Yeah. And like you're to kind of go off of what you're saying, like uh, we kind of talked about this and I think Irvin even joked to you about it, about 4k's like kind of being dead on arrival and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. Like granted they're not dead on arrival. um, But 4K gaming is by no means a benchmark that people should be looking to if they're building a PC. I think that the 1080p market is more than enough for 95% of gamers, unless you're really trying to push your monitor to its absolute limit and you're trying to push your graphics to its absolute limit and you're trying to like, like kind of just like brag and like show off and benchmark and have these amazing graphics. I think 1080p is more than enough for yeah. 90% of people looking to game. And 1080p has been proven in more cases than one to be more than enough for things also such as virtual reality things such as augmented reality things looking for any kind of it's like any anybody looking to get into this this is it right here this is this is it easy so i don't know yeah um, i agree i'm excited for but... this card because this like even i'm like oh should i try to sell my 1080 on ebay and see if i can it's like you could totally get 350 bucks let me know how that works out for you totally good i gotta i could see what they're going for and yeah and just to confirm what's going on in the chat this will 100,000 percent work with virtual reality this is gonna blow most vr headsets out of the water yeah oh yeah there's more than enough for vr any any modern graphics card now is is more than capable yeah anything uh, honestly you could go as low as the 970 and get usable performance yeah i i was running my htc vive on a 970 when i had it um it was just fine yeah i was like this should be yeah this should be really sweet for vr 
yeah this yeah. is like i think I honestly sure. like to not even just use one of the words you literally just said this is like the sweet spot for virtual reality because this like makes because the one thing that like the one problem that i had with virtual reality headsets was that the HTC Vive was a what four hundred dollar product? No, it was a seven hundred dollar product, when it first came yep. out. And then you had the ten eighty p or ten eighty not ten eighty p the ten eighty ti that came <laughs> out at the same at the same resolution or the same like price point. So you're spending fourteen hundred dollars before you're even looking at CPUs or looking at yeah. like uh, storage for your Anything computer. Else, Any of the, yeah. yeah any of the like actual important decisions and the fact that you can get the vibe at whatever price it is available now, wherever you can get it, whether it's secondhand, firsthand, what have you, you can get this card at half the price of something that was the literal benchmark of getting good performance out of virtual reality up yeah. to a year and a half ago. That's a no brainer. So, and that's, that's the bottom line. Like with the, what I was saying, getting, console gamers to convert to PC gamers finally, or maybe getting people who don't game at all into PC gaming. If you can get a card that enables you to, you know, hang with the best at such a low price point, this is, this is when it's happening. This is why it's a game changer. And I think we're all in agreement on that. Yeah. yeah. Even the chat's in agreement on it. <laughs> I think like, good to hear. Uh, yeah, but it's just like the fact that, um, also just something, um, the 2060 announced over at CES on January 7th. The stock clock speed founders edition is suited, booted, and ready for roll, according to this article, on a January 15th launch worldwide to be accompanied by um, board partners' own stock and factory overclock designs. So it looks like you're going to be able to get not only a founders edition, but editions from other major card producers as well at January nice. 15th launch. So. Here's hoping that only that that's yet to be seen. Obviously, January fifteenth hasn't happened yet. That's a week out from now, um, at minimum. It's technically eight days, but if you're not counting today, it's seven. So whatever, what have you? But yeah, we'll call it a week. Yeah, we'll call, call it a week. week. We'll call it a week. It's not a business week, but it's a week, at least. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is definitely like an awesome thing to like come out, and it's exciting. So. The price point is definitely sure. incredible. So get, get excited, people. Oh, um, I'm we excited. Have, we have two more things to get excited about. Oh, boy. Uh, I only thought uh, maybe one, one. two. Right, Actually, go. you know what? Maybe both of these are things to not, not be excited about. Okay. Yeah. It depends on the yes. listening audience. Yeah, we do yeah. have some um, bad news now that I'm actually reading yeah. the headline. Yeah. Yeah. These are, these are some Irvin, downers. Yeah. So, Irvin, we, we have been rambling. I would. I think that maybe you should open this conversation. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, tell me if um, you might be familiar with the latest generation of Sony TVs. Um, they've gotten rid of whatever smart system, smart TV system that they were using previously, and they all pretty much moved to running the Android TV platform, which I think. You know, Matt, you you can attest to this. It's a great platform for yep. uh, getting some content on your TV. It really offers a full fledge of you know having the Play Store available to install any app and um, get get your content without having a separate box. It's Android. Um, That's like yeah, honestly, it's it's, it's Android it TV. It's, yeah. If you have an Nvidia Shield, you know that experience. You get the same thing built into your TV. Yep. Um, one developer has actually oh not one developer but the developer of actually Cody. Uh, yeah, has the recently developer for the, streaming on Android TV, 
Right. So the, the developer of the the streaming uh, app called Cody, you know, Cody familiar XBFC, with it. You may have heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have has has noticed that um, Sony TVs have started preventing users from installing Cody on their uh, new TVs. Um, this is a weird move. Because yeah. if they should ban Cody, then they should ban Plex. Yes. Because technically it facilitates movie and TV show piracy. But like when you look at it like that, first off, that that can hardly be a major market. Second off, like is the fire stick industry really that booming to the point where <laughs> like they feel the need to ban <laughs> Cody on smart televisions? Honestly, like no. I don't and and yeah. Okay, go ahead. Keep going. So they're 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 specifically <laughs> blocking this because Cody is available within the Play Store, right? You can just go in there and and start downloading it. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, you can't do that anymore. Either if you, I think, you go to the uh, Play Store or if you try to sideload it, it'll prevent you uh, from doing it. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't. And it's it's specifically blocking the specific name that the app uses the internal um, package name and a developer right. uh, forum user recombined because Cody's open source. So he recompiled it with a different name um, and it's installed fine. So yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the Sony has deliberately put in uh, within their firmware um, to block the installation of Cody. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I don't even know like where to start with this because this is such a push against innovation because like not only are there like sure there's ways that facilitate piracy sure on on this there, there's ways that, they, that this happens but also at the same time cody is an open platform for a lot of third-party streaming business like companies and people and just like random things like there's so many channels you can mm -hmm. hook into on cody yeah. and yeah. it is very much a legal platform like yes. sure, you're gonna uh, get people who abuse it, but you get that on YouTube. Right. So, but I'm, if I'm you, more, I'm more so wondering where this direction, where the origin of this direction is coming from. Right. Like, why, why is Sony taking this initiative? Because Sony makes movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, but they couldn't get a Spider-Man I mean, movie working, on. so they gotta get their win somehow. Mm-hmm. They tried Spider-Man and they tried uh, X-Men and they failed at both. That's the and you can't there. block YouTube because yeah. then you're writing your own death sentence. I have a, a funny story. I don't know if you guys know this, but... Um, I don't know this. I do. <laughs> you do? Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll see who's right. I actually know the story. So um, I um, I have a PS3 or I still... I had a PS3. Oh, no, I still have it. It's right out there. Um, PS3. So there's a built-in great video player app on the PS3. Um, and back in the day when I used to use it, I don't really use the PS3 anymore. Um, you can connect to a remote server, right? Um, like a, a local server that you set up that could be your own computer, wherever you have stored files. If you played any Sony movie within the PS3's internal movie player that wasn't legally acquired, it would cut out the audio a minute in. Mm. And it would only happen uh, for Sony movies. DRM? And huh. Yeah, but it's you can't... It doesn't matter how you Too encoded much. the video. It wasn't built into the file. Like, you could have gotten that video file from anywhere. But if it was a Sony movie, it would block it. It would block the audio. 
and people have figured it out. They put a secret, um, undetectable um, uh, audio waveform that the player was looking for huh. that couldn't be like you couldn't like re-encode the movie to like get rid of that. Um, it would just automatically detect it, and it would just start blocking it. And it was every, in every Sony movie. That's so um, weird. Yeah. So and it's so shady. <laughs> Again, I'm just saying from, you know, looking in the past, see where they're coming from. Uh, this to me, this is not a surprise. Yeah. No, I <laughs> I, I agree with you. Like I think honestly that if I had to pick any like if you gave me a hat of companies and like you were to like tell me like pick a name out of here and like which one do you think is the most likely to do some like sus stuff, like it's probably gonna be Sony. Yeah. The one like most connected to Hollywood. Samsung, I feel like, would maybe do it through a partnership with somebody, but Sony, that, that makes perfect sense to me. But that, especially after you say that, that is, I didn't know that. That's so weird. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Not so, that I've personally experienced this or anything. I'm just from, speaking right. from, right. yeah, from right. what I've right. read online. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe they realized. Right. I got, I got <laughs> something in my eye. Sorry. Oh, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. What were you going to say, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was just wondering if the next article is in Irman's eye. Uh, could be. It really depends. <laughs> that was like an angry dad transition. Dude, okay. That's just so, a dad joke transition. So I saw yeah. a commercial about this next topic um, in the playoffs, oh. in the playoff game for the Eagles. Uh, maybe not this exact one. Uh, actually, no, oh, it, the is. Eagles? it is. It is. Um, yeah, during the Eagles game, AT&T rolled out a commercial for this for this bs 5g e thing that they're planning on like releasing to the market 5g evolution 5g evolution yeah (laughs) welcome to 2019 everybody welcome the buzzwords have not stopped nope we don't know go ahead i'll give you a hint it's not really 5g it's also (laughs) not an evolution yeah so this is where the confusion for the next generation of, of mobile networking uh, will come from to the, the majority of the public. Generation, right? Um, this happened. We saw this with um, LTE or four G. Um, yeah. Was initially starting to roll out. Um, T-Mobile was a uh, uh, was part of this where they launched a four uh, LTE service that wasn't technically four G. Um, and we're starting to see that now with five G, the next revolution. Uh, within mobile networking, and, and so they release a... the next revolution. I just like, yeah. can't. Like, the buzzwords um, just come flying yeah. into my head. So overall, the technology is great, but it's not here yet. It's not available on any phone. And now AT and T just decided to we're going to release updates to existing phones that don't actually do 4G. To now displaying the 4G LTE signal, it's going to display 5G E mm-hmm. for evolution. Mm-hmm when they don't actually have 5g yeah, um no which, phone out so, currently in america yeah, has yeah. 5g and, and they're right now they're releasing this to the lg v30 and the samsung galaxy s8 uh, the s8 is two years old, over two years old almost two years old because the s10 is about to be launched yeah so almost two years old so v30 can't be any more than that v30 v40 now or something like that so these are old phones they don't definitely don't have 5g no. 5g no. wasn't even in the conversation no when the v30 no. was launched no no like so like, was our podcast around I, when the v30 uh, was launched? i don't think I, it was the s8 
I had the S8 for our very first show. V30 so, movies. Yeah, you remember that? I got the S8 and brought yeah, it yeah. to our very first show. Yeah, you did. Um, you are yes. you yeah. are like the juggler of smartphones. You really are. Because you had you had a, an S8, you had a Pixel, you had an iPhone 10. What else did you have? In between um, that and the S8. Um, you had a 7? iPhone 7 two and then iPhone iPhones. Oh, yeah. two iPhones. Yeah. Two Androids. Yeah. That was a yeah. quick switch. Yeah, yeah, two iPhones, two Androids in the span of two years. So full. The, I, so. I, I, I change phones quarterly. Just just go with that. That's like an <laughs> overall rule. I change uh, phones quarterly. Um by bi- bi- yearly, but quarterly. Yes. We oh no. Two years. Oh yeah, you're right. Two yeah. years for phones, you're right. It's not yeah. that as bad as I thought. Okay. You're the yeah, for every six expert. months for those people who don't speak in gibberish. Um, <laughs> the um, resident expert on smartphones. No. Anyway, back, back to your point. <laughs> it came out September 21st, 2017 was the LG no. V30. So we were very much a podcast at that time, mm-hmm. just as an FYI no. to our longtime listeners. <laughs> so, yeah, this is just a, a is this like a mark? Is this like a marketing thing for like consumers? I was like, hey, 5G is coming. Like, it's, it's just going to cause confusion. This is why people is like, yeah. it confuses the. 5G is coming. 5G. Yeah. Um, <laughs> five, five, five. Yeah. Dominoes. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not surprised it's AT&T again. But again, the, the, com- the company who I use, T-Mobile, which is a great mobile carrier, did the same thing during 4G. So, like, I wouldn't pass put it past any of them to do this yeah um yeah. they're all they're all crappy um everyone does this whole like, it's, it's the same it's, a, it's the same thing that happened with 4g it's the same yeah. thing yeah yeah the, you you, so, you you think I, I was hopeful that they would learn that's all i'm saying Jeff. I, I was hopeful <laughs> i i was hopeful the public would learn <laughs> yeah that's yeah. my thing because the emphasis on hope telecommunication companies are going to keep yeah they're going to keep doing this because it's going to keep selling and Right, like it, it. It's up to you to realize, huh? What is five G? Am I really getting five G? Is this even physically possible right now? I'm gonna go ahead and sure. say, is it possible through this yeah. company? No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what it does is it makes it easier when five G actually is possible. They don't have to change their little icon in your notification yeah. center. So. But you know what this does detriment, which I think is very annoying. And one of the downsides of what's of what five G really is capable of and what we've even talked about on our podcast, even at just last year's CES, if you look at that stuff alone, even the year before that CES, just with like with what five G could be like the fact that this is called 5g e and it gets 5g into smartphones that are older like if people start experiencing issues on this thinking it's a much better next generation because it has a new number version of 5g or lte which is something that they've already been familiar with um it takes away from the overall value of 5G in the consumer's eye because this company's rushing to be the first one to slap a buzzword 5G E onto something that shows up on the top of your phone that hardly anybody pays attention to. First off, totally agree. But do you think that the E on 5G excuses them because it's an evolution, meaning e it's for growing, changing, etc.? Do you think that, that this is 
purposefully marketed as 5G because they know it's not 5G, but for some reason or another, there's some change from 4G that makes them entitled to call this 5G. Uh, I think it would have been more appropriate to put this in quotes than to put an E on the end. Oh of yeah, it. that that would be that would be ideal, right? If there were quotes up in your notification center saying 5G. <laughs> 5G. I think I think calling it 5GE might get them through some loopholes they may be facing in the future. Because I think there were some qualms about 4G in the past, legally speaking, mm-hmm. that I think. Yeah, no, there is a lot yeah. of back and forth there. I think this might get them out of that. Yeah, by saying it's five G, it's not five G. We never claimed it was five G. Yeah. Um, another thing that's weird, I do totally agree with you, and I do. I'm not sure like where that even goes with this conversation. You're free to change the subject. You're no, I, 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 like, like, I really like wish that I had an answer for that, but I just have no idea what AT and T's objective is here. With, that's okay with this marketing, but. The one thing in this article that I find hilarious is that uh, the V30's updates changelog only mentions this fake icon that they've created, yet somehow the file is about a gigabyte. <laughs> so, like, I have no idea what... <laughs> That's a really high resolution. It just some changes fun. to what things look like, but yeah, <laughs> that uh, that icon is really sharp. I'll tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> high resolution, 8K. Yeah. Well, you got to figure there's a bunch of different locations too. They got to write 5G instead of 4G. Yeah, so. get it to work on all the backgrounds, and you got to think about it. The image yeah. file they're probably uploading is probably a raw file that they took of it. Like yeah. what? You know, like you know how Apple on the Apple Watch with those like smoke, um, and like fire backgrounds. Irvin, you probably know this more than than Jeff would because you have the Apple Watch, but. Oh, like you know, you know those backgrounds. Oh, okay, if you have an Apple Watch, then feel free to, <laughs> to show me. But I don't have one either. I have a regular watch. But um, Irvin, you know how they have like the smoke backgrounds and like the fire yeah. ones and stuff. Mm-hmm. Apparently, those are all actual footage. Yeah, shot in a container, the shape of an yep. Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. So it's practical effects and it's real footage. Which is the most, first off, it's the most Apple thing ever. And second off, that explains 100% how the letter 5, the letter G, or the number 5, the letter G, and the letter E could be one gigabyte. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think, right. I think that Whatever the, it's a the practical part of that update is when, when you download things, your phone illuminates in yellow and says its power level's over 9,000. Yeah. I think that, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Or 5,000, I guess, would be more appropriate. Yeah. Also, you guys all know my stance on LG phones. Can I just be the first one out of the three of us to say that I'm impressed that there are V30s that have lasted this long? Like that it hasn't stopped at V2? No, (laughs) that V30s that are currently running haven't failed in some fantastic way, hardware-wise. Like Mm. That's testament to LG that maybe they're finally doing something like almost right. But not quite. Nice, good for them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we could go on about with this that. Today. With that. Yeah. With that. With that. I think. <laughs> I think this brings us to the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, just in time too, because I know Irvin's getting sleepy. I can see it in his eyes. <laughs> I could feel it in his soul. <laughs> You can't say that about me. I have red hair. But okay. So moving into. There's no soul. 
Yes, that's true. Because <laughs> we're going all the way back into the pits of, of <laughs> high school insults for that one. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I know you have. I have I love jazz. What are you talking about? Okay. So it's pronounced yes. Oh <laughs> potential <laughs> right, anyway. question mark. Um okay. So yeah, we should we should end this episode because I think yep. it's getting to a point where we're just talking in circles. Um <laughs> if you guys enjoyed the episode and may or may not have had a bunch of messages deleted in the chat, which I restored for you. Um, because you did an all caps message and our auto moderator <laughs> saw that and got angry. I fixed it. If you're looking at this after the fact or listening to the recording. So I hope you get this message second off. If you're looking for where to get that message and you don't necessarily know that we're a podcast, you can find us at any one of these three little usernames above at industry four Oh, all spelled out. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and most importantly, Twitter. That is where we are most active. That's where I try to be the most interactive with our community. Um, so find us there in any one of those platforms at Industry 4.0. Even if you just type in the name of our podcast, Industry 4.0, you will find us. Um, if you want, you can check us out after the fact at uh, if you can't make these live shows, we do stream once a week when we try to. We we have notifications that announce on our Twitter account when we are going live and when we move on to our streaming platforms. You can now catch us on Twitch and YouTube, by the way, if you're watching us live. Uh, but you probably know that already. But for those of you who are listening after the fact, you can catch us at literally anywhere you can download a podcast, um, whether it's Apple Podcast iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, um, Stitcher, literally anywhere you can download one, except for whatever reason, Overcast, maybe because they're too hoity-toity to have our show, but we'll fix that. Don't worry. Because um, Urban can... said damn this episode. Yeah. That's no, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. That's it, yeah. yeah. So that's it. But um, um, but that's it. I, I do... I do have a comment. If if you're if you did make it this far in the episode, I I want to know about it. So if you want to message us on our Facebook and say, "Hey Jeff, Irvin, and Matt, I made it this far," I'll send you a little treat in Facebook Messenger. Yeah. So he'll actually send you food. Just a little. Yeah. Nice. Uh, uh, not food, maybe not. That might not last very well. Maybe it. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> if you made it this far, let us know. Yes. Um. Either way. Um. Like I said, anywhere you want to catch us online after the fact, go for it. That's fine. Uh, our home is on Podbean at industry40.podbean.com. If you want to leave us a review, if you don't want to just touch, reach out and touch us on Facebook, you can message us at bit.ly slash i4oreview. Um, and yeah, uh, we're just, I think our name has gotten out there to the point where you can find us pretty much anywhere. So with that being uh, said, Matt. Uh, one one thing too before we interrupt, do we have like a breaking news little button you can press? Uh, breaks this kind of thing. Uh, we are <laughs> we are on Overcast now. Whoa! Um, yeah. Oh. So if you wanna, okay. So now you can find us literally anywhere. Suck it, literally, Overcast. Yeah, literally anywhere. Um, <laughs> We've broken through. <laughs> we have broken through. We have gotten through the Overcast wall. So okay. Yeah. 
So yeah. moving on. Now you can end the show. All right. Now sorry, you know. Yes. That's it. Okay. Just so, wanted to get that in. With that being said, welcome our new Overcast members. This has been episode 81, and we will see you guys in the next one. Take it easy.